Welcome back. It's midday. I'm Tom Hall here in Studio A with our theater critic, Jay Wynn Russick. Judy, it's always good to see you. Good to be here. And we're going to talk about Peter Pan, a very, very famous musical. It's at the Hippodrome Theater. But this production, this particular production of Peter Pan, Peter Pan has attracted a lot of attention. Uh, and it's kind of a coup for our dear little city of Baltimore. How come? Well, it has attracted attention because it's a major new revised production of the 1954 Broadway musical, the show that starred Peter Pan. Director Lonnie Price brought in a Native American playwright, Larissa Fasthorse, and her job in part was to expunge the objectionable depictions of Indians. That's what they were called in the original. The new script also enhances the roles and the dignity of the two main female characters, Wendy and Native American Tiger Lily. Wendy now wants to be a doctor, and Tiger, Liddy's, li, ah, Tiger Lily's tri, tribe is made up of indigenous people from various cultures around the world who are facing extinction. The script also updates the setting. Instead of Edwardian England in James Barry's original 1904 play and in the 1954 musical, now it's set in the 21st century of this country. In the opening scene, Wendy is making a video. Wendy, John, and Michael's parents are attending a business event on the night that Peter Pan shows up. These changes are part of why the revival itself is significant. The reason it's a coup for Baltimore is because the show is launching a 14-month national tour here. The show had what it called a preview run in St. Paul in December, but the Hippodrome is the official opening of a coast-to-coast tour. And everything that Lonnie Price and Larissa Fasthorse have done moves the show in the right direction. I don't know if the production's still being worked on here, but it needs to be pushed just a few steps farther. For example, the opening scene lays the exposition on really thick, particularly when it comes to the updates. In other places, additions are too thin. So in every production of Peter Pan that I've ever seen or heard of, uh, Peter Pan has been played by an adult woman. So is that true here? I mean, the, the Mary Martin, uh, you know, uh, iconic representation, for example. Right, right. And Sandy Duncan and Kathy Rigby also played it on Broadway. There was a TV version a while back that starred Allison Williams. I was always confused by this. Reportedly, this tradition came about because British labor law didn't allow children under 14 to perform after 9 p.m. But This brand-new Peter Pan has broken that mold. Not only is Peter Pan played by a guy, Nolan Almeida, but Almeida is a teenager. So Peter is genuinely portrayed at an age when he might not want to grow up. And I should mention that the score has also undergone changes. The original score had a bunch of credits, but it was primarily written by Morris Charlap and Carolyn Lee. The offensive song, Ugga Wug, has been replaced with a lovely song called Friends Forever. Amanda Green has written additional lyrics for the revival. These include the reprise of I Won't Grow Up. At the start of the second act, the pirates sing, We hate those kids to the same melody. Getting back to Peter, he's a boy whose life, whose philosophy is based on youth and joy and freedom, as he puts it. Nolan Almeida is clearly having a wonderful time as Peter. You can hear the wonder in Almeida's voice. I brought a clip of him singing one of the show's most famous songs, Neverland. Let's listen. 
And that's my home where dreams are born And time is never planned Just think of lovely things And your heart will fly on wings Forever in never, never A teenager, Cape Can Sing. That's Nolan Almeida, who plays the title role in Peter Pan, which is launching its national tour here in Baltimore at the Hippodrome. So, Judy, tell us about some of the other performances. Let's start with Captain Hook. Oh, absolutely. Hook is played by Cody Garcia, not as a super scary Hook, but as a pirate captain who truly enjoys being worshipped by a band of pirates, even if that worship is primarily a mixture of fear and groveling. Garcia's tall and thin, wears long black ringlets, swaggers, and preens. The hook itself is very large, and besides brandishing it, this Captain Hook uses it to check his reflection. (laughs) Wendy, John, and Michael's last name is Darling, and they are Darling in this production. Hawa Kamara plays Wendy. As I mentioned, this is a career-driven Wendy. She wants to grow up to be a doctor, a surgeon. But... She's also fascinated by Peter, even flirtatious, which goes right over his head. And the bond she forms with Tiger Lily is one of the production's innovations. It's almost a girl power kind of thing. Ray Zaragoza plays Tiger Lily as tough and resourceful. She's one of the few cast members that some audience members may know. She has a career as a singer-songwriter. And she's of indigenous, Asian, and Latin descent. A deliberate decision was made in casting this show to hire a multicultural cast. In fact, the cultural heritage of Tiger Lily's followers is included in the cast list. Mm -hmm. Now, we can't talk about Peter Pan without talking about the flying. You can fly, you can fly, you can fly. Um, How well does the production handle the flying? It's all about the flying in this show, right? (laughs) A lot of it is. The flying is choreographed by Paul Rubin. And Peter doesn't just glide and soar. Some of his flying looks like very energetic swimming. There are even some somersaults. When Peter and Wendy and John and Michael fly to Neverland, they fly over buildings and cities and above clouds. This is all thanks to some really terrific projections. And they got well-deserved applause, just about stopped the show. Speaking of choreography, the earthbound choreography is by Lauren Lataro, but particularly when Tiger Lily introduces what she calls the friendship dance, Lataro misses a chance to incorporate moves and steps from other cultures. If they are in there, they're way too subtle. Instead, the choreography of this number and some of the other numbers feels much more inspired by Broadway dancing than by different ethnicities. But to return to the flying... I have a snippet of the number when Peter teaches Wendy, John, and Michael to fly. Let's listen. I'm flying. Look at me way up high. Suddenly, here am I. I'm flying. I'm flying. I can soar. I can weave. And what's more, I'm not even trying. That's the cast of the new touring production of Peter Pan. So, Judy, as you pointed out, the musical of Peter Pan is now 70 years old. What do you think? What, what accounts for the staying power of this show? Well, James M. Berry's story explores a bunch of accessible, really timeless themes, especially the desire not to grow up, perpetual youth, 
and the meaning of family and friendship. And this new revival adds a very important theme of multicultural understanding. Peter Pan was the very first show that I saw as a child, and I've always really had a soft spot in my heart for it, especially for Tiger Lily. I wanted to grow up to be Tiger Lily. Um, I had a very good time at this new version, and it may be sacrilege to say this, but with this production, Peter Pan, the show anyway, has grown up. The show has made a lot of smart changes, but it could still do a little more. All right, Peter Pan in this new production at the Hippodrome Theater. It's here in Baltimore until Sunday. And next week we're going to talk about the Oristia at the Chesapeake Shakespeare Company, Judy. So what's that about? Is that well, a Shakespeare play? I never heard no, of no, it. no, way before Shakespeare. This is Aeschylus's tragic trilogy about the House of Atreus. And this production has been combined all three plays in the trilogy have been combined by actor and playwright Ellen McLaughlin. So you get three plays, three plays, three plays in one. <laughs> <laughs> three in one. There you go. All right. So we'll chat about that next week here on Midday. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Have a great weekend. You too. Jay Wynn Russick is our theater critic, and her latest novel is called Please Write a Novel in Letters. So that's it for us today. And up next, our Black History Month programming continues with Echoes of a Coup from PRX. It's a story about the actual, the only successful coup d'etat in the history of the United States. Happened back in 1898. We'll talk about that after news at the top of the hour. And coming up Monday... The parent company of WIPR and WTMD has a new name and a new audio ID. We'll hear all about it, and I'll speak with Enoch Pratt CEO Heidi Daniel, who's leaving her post for a job in Washington State, and Darcel Graham, who's the interim CEO at the Pratt. So we'll talk about that Monday on Midday. Midday's director and engineer is Shania Mapson. Luke Spicknell is WIPR's operations manager. Taria Rogers and Mallory Pinkert-Pierre produced the program with help from Sam Burmistaz and Izzy Davis. Austin Coghlan from Clean Cuts wrote and recorded the Midday theme music. And we want to give a special shout-out to our dear friend Heidi Shepard, who after six and a half years of keeping this place glued together, is celebrating her last day as part of the WIPR WTMD team, and we wish Heidi the best. Thanks for being with us, everybody. Have a great weekend. This is Baltimore's NPR News Station, 88.1 WYPR.